would like to remind you that the planted sessions for the morning and afternoon tomorrow will replace the church service for London in the morning at 10 a.m. and Utrecht in the afternoon at 2 p.m. Please note that all times are mentioned in the UK time zone. Both London and Utrecht will have services in their respective local venues and social distancing rules will apply as usual. Breakout sessions will be facilitated from the venues after the sessions and the sessions will be on the same link as the rest of the weekend. There will be a social gathering on Monday on the bank holiday in the UK from 10am to 12 noon. We will either meet in the park or church venue as the weather permits. Please join us if you can and remember to specifically register for this event in order for us to make provision and to communicate further detail to you. The next session will start at 6.45pm and will start with worship. Our speaker will be Renee van Fien and she will talk about claiming new ground. Kindly keep your Zoom audio on mute during the speaker sessions in order to avoid background noise. Wake up you sleeping giant, for your time has come. No reason to be called the little one, for your wisdom has exceeded and others seek for your guidance. Darkin van der Veen will be our next speaker. Together with his wife Renee, they are pastoring the Shofa Church in Utrecht in the Netherlands. They have three sons and are the proud grandparents of six grandchildren. Darkin has a passion to teach people to walk in obedience to God. In this session, he will be talking on the topic of creating a culture of growth. Yes, I've been asked to talk about creating a culture of growth. And it's actually so awesome if we take a look at God's creation, that, that God's creation is about growth. And before I'm going to speak about it, let's first pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we can come together, that we can become quiet and that we can listen what is on your heart about growth. And Father, if we take a look at creation, when you create it, it's just about growth. How things are going to duplicate, how things are going to multiply, it has been built into your creation. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we're going to experience it this afternoon. That's what we're going to listen. You're going to stir our heart. That we're not going to be passive, but that we're going to be active, active for your kingdom active for creating a culture of growth around us and, and around ourselves. Thank you, Father, that, yes, we maybe had lunch, we maybe had a few other things to do in the meantime, but we now can focus and that I can bind whatever wants to disturb from us now. We can focus and that we can hear what is on your heart. Thank you, Father. We can come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said, um, okay, we've got a technical. All right, we still have got a, a little bit of a problem. It has got to be Shofar Utrecht who's got to host. And the other one, what has been uh, allocated as sharing, is Renee, but it's not Renee, it is loaded on Shofar Utrecht. So if that one could be shown, then I would appreciate it. In the meantime, I'm going to carry on. What I said it is that God built it in, into his creation, the possibility to grow. And, 
as what you're supposed to see on the screen now where I've made an, uh, a statement, the possibility to grow or to multiply, to duplicate, is a built-in feature of God's creation. And it's so awesome if we take a look at the first few days, day one to day four, God created the world around us. He created the atmosphere for growth. And then we have a look on day five and day six, when God created the birds and the sea animals. And then on day six, when God created the land animals and the humans, and he created us as well. Those would have been created on day five and six. They've got something which is built in, and that is the capacity to grow. It's the capacity to duplicate, and that's the capacity to multiply. So we serve a God who has growth in his plan. It's part in his plan. We can see there's a line running through it. Continuously, there's growth, there's growth. Plants are multiplying. And it's beauty to see that if plants are in stress, they actually produce more seed. We can see it with the trees over here, the oak trees. They are producing more seeds now because they had a drought. And to protect their continuation, they produce more seeds, which is awesome. Uh, if you speak to those people who are busy with fruits, then they will also tell you that a peer, peer tree, if they put stress on that tree, then he's starting to produce seed, then he's starting to produce peers. And that's beautiful because it's built into God's kingdom. We also want to have growth. If we're going to start something, it could be a club, it could be a church. We always want to, that it's going to grow. And nobody is going to start a business that you want to keep it exactly the same the day that you started it for the rest of your life. You want to have it that it's going to grow, that it's going to duplicate, and that it is going to multiply. That is in our blood. But if we want to have a look at the growth and creating a culture of growth for what the church is concerned, then there's only one place where we can go to, and that is to God, and to God's word, and to God's plan. And if we want to grow as a person, if we want to grow as a small group, if we want to grow as a church, or if we want to grow as a society, there's only one place where we can go to, and that is to God. And God is speaking to us today. He's speaking out of Isaiah 43, verses 10. You maybe say, yeah, but it's out of the Old Testament. We actually can take any part of God's word, and then we can see how God is busy with his creation, how God has got a plan for his creation, and how God wants to duplicate, to multiply, to growth. Verses for today, the verse for today is in Isaiah 43, verses 10. You are my witness, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Isaiah 43, verses 10. I'm going to do it a little bit different this afternoon. Instead of going from the first from the first sentences up, I'm going to start at the bottom. But I feel what God is telling me. So what are we going to have look first at the first two sentences at the bottom? It says, before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. In Revelations it also says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, first and the last. And that's something which is crucial, which is the foundation. If we do not have that, 
we actually cannot carry on. We have to acknowledge that God is the only God and God wants to be acknowledged as the only God. At a certain stage, people were speaking to Jesus and they asked the question, which law is the most important? Because the Jewish people had 613 laws, 613 commandments. Which one is now the most important one? Then one of the scribes came, that's in Mark 12. And having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Which is now the most important of these 613? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And this is the first commandment. And the second like, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than be. Where did Jesus start with? He first acknowledged Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6 verses 4, where it also says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Before you're going to start with all the commandments, before you're going to find out what is important, let's put that thing first. The God is one, and he's the only one. What the Jewish people did, the traditional Jewish people, they were speaking this out each and every day, in the morning and in the evening. They were called, it was called that it was part of their Shema, part of their daily prayer. And if they were speaking it out as well, they put their hands over their eyes. So it means that they couldn't look at anything. They were concentrating, they were focusing on it. This was so important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And if we want to start to grow, and if we want to have a look at the at, at the culture to grow, and we've got to get this first. Hercules has been speaking about it this morning as well. That God is the only one. God is the only God in my life. Because we've got other gods which are keeping us busy as well. It could be your work, it could be your wife, it could be your car, it could be your bank account, it could be your status, what you've got in a certain association, whatever it may be. But the most important thing is that God is one. He's the only God in my life. And if we're going to put this now into practice, then we've got to start the day with that confession. That confession, God is one. We're going to end the day that God is one and God is the most important one in between. And then in between, we can also speak to God. and We can tell him how important this he is in our lives. That is crucial, that's necessary if we want to create a culture of growth. That's the foundation where we are building on. The next two sentences above it is know it, believe it, and understand it. We can only confess if God is one, if we really know it, if we believe it, and if we understand it. In Romans 10 verses 9 as well, it says, that is, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God is resting from the dead, and you will be saved. So we've got to believe it, we've got to understand it, and we've got to know it. We all have to understand that God is He in order for us to be able to confess our faith. 
you know, only God. And if we take a look at that word understand, then it means that we've got the intelligence, that we know it, that we perceive it. And what's beautiful in that word understand as well, it also says that you must be able to teach someone else. We all know that if you take mathematics, you only understand to do the calculation if you can explain it to somebody else. It's the same with God. If God is number one in our life, then we understand it. Then we can teach it to somebody else. It's crucial that we must know that. And we have got to know, and we have got to believe in God. And that word know is, has got a lot of things included into it as well. It says that we should acknowledge, we should be aware of it, we should be certain about it, we should declare it, we should have respect over it, we should be sure about it, we should understand it. And we can see the know and the understanding, it, it actually builds on each other, it helps each other. But we also should believe it. And the, and the primary root of, of the word belief means that it is something where you can build on, something which is solid enough that you can build on. What did Jesus say to Peter? On this rock, on your confession, Peter, that you said you are the son of the living God, on that confession, I will build my church. This is what belief is, that you trust, that you can put, and that you can build on it, and that you're faithful, that you believe it. But the word believe has got something else in it as well, that you also obey. That's why God took Abraham that's why he made that promise to Abraham. Because Abraham believed. But in it believing, he also obeyed. He obeyed what God was telling him to do. So we can confess with our mouth. We can believe it. But if nobody around us is going to experience it, we are missing something. It's necessary that we obey what God is telling us to do. And then God is telling us, you are my witness, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. My servant whom I have chosen. You may well say, I've never received a letter of appointment from God, or I haven't received it yet. So I'm not a servant who has been chosen yet. And unless I'm not receiving that SMS or that WhatsApp or that letter, I'm not going to be a servant for God. No. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he is your Lord and Savior, then you are automatically chosen as God's servants. You automatically are going to serve him if you believe him. You automatically move into a relationship with God. You cannot do anything else. You are going to serve him because he has chosen you. You are my witness, says the Lord. And then the beauty of it is, you are my witnesses. That's actually what's standing over there. So it's plural. It means it's applicable for all of us. It's not only to Isaiah where, um, where God was speaking to. It is applicable for all of us, applicable for us today as well. We are the witnesses of God on this earth. And then the word witness has got something in it that you record it. And then you repeat it. It is a testimony. It is a witness which you are. And that testimony as well cannot be stolen. Somebody cannot come and take that testimony of yours, of what you've got, that relationship 
which you've got with the living God. But the fortunate thing is, we do not have to do it on our own. God is involved. It's not that we've got to do everything on our own. God is involved, involved with us in personal capacity, but also is what the church. And that we've got to be involved to walk with God, to hear what he's telling us what we've got to do. In Acts 1, Jesus is talking there. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the world. You're going to be my witnesses. And it says over there before that we were going to be the witness of God because he says, you are my witness. And Jesus is repeating, you shall be my witness. Then he says as well, you're not going to go on your own. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to help you. Because when you've got to speak and when you've got to testify and when you've got to serve and when you've got to tell other people about it, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the end of the world, the end of the earth. There's no area in this world who's not needing the gospel. Every part needs the gospel. It's not a place where we can be and say, okay, over here there's no signal. That's what we can sometimes say with our phones. There's no signal. I cannot communicate. God's signal is everywhere. We can bring that message to every place all over the world that God is the only one. Jesus also repeated it when he left Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. And he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus is giving exactly the same instruction. Make disciples. Tell them. Teach them. We've got to tell other people about who God is and how awesome God is. If we summarize it a little bit, creating a culture of growth starts with the change. Which change? Creating a culture of growth starts with the change. So something has got to change. We've got to change. Creating a culture of growth starts with a change in us. We've got to change. We've got to look around and see where we can be used if we take a look at what has been said before just now, there's only one place where we can start, and that is with ourselves or with yourself. And then we've got to ask guidance from God. We've got to confess that God is the only one. He's the only God. We've got to understand it. We've got to know it, and we've got to believe in him. And we've got to be a servant, and then we can testify about him. So if we take the scripture and if we put it upside down, then we can see that we've got to confess that God is alone, our God. We've got to understand it and believe it. Then it's so much easier for us to be a servant and to testify other people about it. Just want to tell you a little bit about a guy who was quite well known in the business world, and it was a guy with the name of Jack Welch.
he passed away in March this year, and he was appointed at the age of 45 to run a business with the name of General Electric, which is maybe known to some of you people. And then the process how he has been appointed is quite strange. It's something what we can learn from. And in effect, it's actually based on, on biblical principles as well. He had to tell them who was going to be his successor before they took a final decision to appoint him. So they were already thinking for the next, let's call it generations. He has been there for approximately, I think, 20 years what it was. And one of the things what he said, he said, my success will be determined by how well my successor grows the company in the next 20 years. And what he actually was doing there, he was putting a biblical principle into practice. You must probably going to uh, even be aware of it and that you're going to see it. Because investing in your successor is going to reflect your success and is going to reflect growth. And the success of Jesus was determined by the disciples who came after him. And the success of the gospel in this world is going to be determined by us and by the people who are going to come after us. And our success to create a culture of growth is going to be determined by the success of our disciples. So this is how we are going to create a culture of growth. We've got to invest in the disciples coming after us. You may be asked, but how am I going to get involved in the church? Because I'm not involved at the moment. That's not a problem. If you're not involved, go to Hercules or Milani or come to Rene or me and ask, them, ask us where you can get involved in the church so that you first can be a disciple, that you can be discipled, but that later on that you can get your disciple and that you can disciple that person. And that we can get that process going and that we're not going to have something which is going to stop us, that we can carry on creating that culture of growth. And once we understand the importance of growth in our own life, then we want to see it, that it is going to happen in other people and other person's life as well. Like I said before, God created the animals and us the ability to grow if we look at our offspring. And if you would take an animal, if it was not looking after its offspring, it's going to become extinct and it will stop. But we can have a look at all the animals and we can see that they are looking after their offspring. They're looking after the person or the animal coming after them. And as a result of that, we can see the growth. As a result of that, we can see a multiplication. And that is what we want to create as well. We want to create a culture of growth. Today we are talking about growth, which is the opposite of becoming extinct. We're not going to look for growth. We are going to become extinct. But we've got to grow. We've got to create that culture of growth. But we must look at our own offspring to grow. We must disciple our disciples in order to grow. And we must disciple our disciples in order to create that culture of growth. 
Can we create a culture of growth? Is it possible for us? Or is it too complicated? Now we're saying, yes, we can. We can create a culture of growth. Because if we know, and if we believe, and if we understand that God is the only God, and if we serve him, and if we are witnesses to the world around us, and we are creating the culture of growth, and when we are teaching our disciples, we are creating the culture of growth. A culture of growth is going to be created. We're going to teach our disciples. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you want that the church, that your kingdom should grow in this world, that you want to use us for that. Father, we cannot be excited about you. We cannot tell other people about you if we are not excited about you. We cannot tell other people that you are number one in our lives if we spend time with other things. And Father, I pray, Lord, that this afternoon that we will make a change in our mind and say we're going to put God first. God is first in my life. Other things are going to follow after that. And by putting God first in our lives, it is going to show and reflect in our lifestyle. If we're going to start the day with you, if we're going to end the day with you, and if during the day we're also communicating with you, Father, then there is going to be a change in our lives, which is going to have an effect on the people around us and which is also going to let your church grow. And it's also going to create that culture of growth. Continuously, we want to be involved with the people who are coming after us. Jesus invested, Father, in his disciples. The disciples invested in those who came after them. And we've got to invest in those who are coming after us. That we are basically training people to replace us. And that your church can continue to grow. That it continue to grow. That it can be built by Jesus. And that statement of Peter, you're the son of the living God. Thank you, Father, that we can grow your church. That we do not have to do it on our own. You've given us the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us the energy and the power to be witnesses for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. We are now going to be split up in the different groups. And then the questions are over there. Three questions. Do you agree that growth is linked to your investment in your your successor or disciple and if you're a little bit battling with the idea about disciples and disciple making just think a little bit about it in practical terms um, what we heard just now from from Jack Welch as well on today's uh, businesses and so on if you're going to invest in your successor is there going to be growth or is there not going to be growth and then the question who is your successor who is your disciple and I've put that over there. I said, pray and ask God to show you who that person is, or maybe the persons who they are. And if you say, oh, um, I'm, I'm battling to hear God's voice, I'm not really good in it to hear what God is saying to me, go to your intercessor, go to Christy or to Hercules, or go to Renee on this side, spend time with them, attend the, the intercessions. And get used to it that you are surrounded with people who are listening to God and who are hearing God's voice 
then you're also going to hear God's voice. And then God will tell you who is your successor, who is your disciple, in whom you've got to invest. And then the question, how are you going to help your successor or your disciple to be successful or that he's going to bear fruit? Ask God that God is going to show you where you've got to focus on, what you've got to disciple the person with, and where the person has got to be involved in the church. So I'm going to ask you now to, we can break up into different groups. Heraclitus is most probably going to do it electronically, and then we will get the feedback later on. Thank you.